this is pathway core element one, which is looking at the sort of careers that you get within the sector you're looking at. Uh, this is reasonably big. a lot of it is fairly common sense, but I'll go through it anyway. Some of them may be things you're not sure about. I think it relates more to the ESP, but there will be questions on the exam that come up related to this. So first one, P1.1, range of responsibilities, job roles and skills required of professionals in digital infrastructure. So first main bullet point is responsibility. So what is it you need within this sector that you have to understand? So first thing, installing, testing, maintaining infrastructure components and systems. So infrastructure is the, the physical, mechanical things that make the whole thing hold together. Network cabling, switches, routers, all that type of stuff, as well as the servers and, and bits and pieces. So in an organisation, some of the roles you're going to get is obviously installing the, the hardware and software to make this work, testing, make sure it's functioning properly, and then looking after it over a long period of time, which means upgrades, patches, all that type of stuff, fixing cables that are broken, etc., which I think is more detail further on. Next one, maintaining efficiency and effectiveness of an organisation's infrastructure. So again, if you've installed something, some new cabling or some new servers or hardware, you need to make sure it's working properly and you'll do some sort of diagnostics to make sure it's efficient and effective. It's using the right type of energy, it's communicating with the right types of devices, there aren't any bottlenecks if you can find those. Uh, next one, communicating digital infrastructure updates and scheduled system changes to end users. Periodically, systems will need to be taken down in order to do fairly major upgrades. Um, if you've been at college long enough, you know that's happened now and again, like for firewalls and server upgrades. They tend to do it over holidays, uh, but not always the case. Within an organisation, again, now and again, the server will need upgrading. Once the server's switched off, it obviously affects everything. But So you need to time that in and schedule it so make sure people aren't too badly disrupted. So you'd have to tell people, this weekend, server's going to be down, you can't connect. And you'll see that now and again on our Moodle site. Uh, proactive management of digital services using structured techniques and digital tools to ensure optimum availability. Again, that's running diagnostic tools, up, applying patches and making sure the software and hardware are always working properly. And trying to be proactive means doing stuff. If, if you're reading on forums and people are saying this there's a problem with Windows and this is going to be coming down the pipe, then you need to start making plans for that to happen. Don't wait for it to happen when it's too late. Particularly things like zero um, hour conflicts when people find out there's a bug or a uh, problem with your software you need to update it before they do like they could in and make problems so that's being proactive uh, recovery and restoration of digital services again you should be doing backups on all types of systems but a backup is of useless if you can't recover it so you would do a rotational thing of doing a test backup and doing a test recovery and do that every six months or three months or whatever the time to however important the data is but you need to do that uh, performance optimization of hardware software and network systems this is making changes to the software, again applying patches, making right configurations, testing it against the parameter. So if the network is supposed to sustain X megabytes per second, it's not, you need to find out where the bottlenecks are and fix it. It could be hardware, it could be software, it could be the infrastructure. So that's what you need to keep testing. And you need to make sure that the systems that you're looking after as technicians are working to their optimum. Uh, applying security measures to digital services, devices and networks. So again, if there's a new, constantly there are bugs and people find exploitations on systems, so you need to be on those forums, making notes, applying the patches and, and doing whatever you need to do to make sure your system's always safe. Um, those security measures and updating firewalls, updating software that looks for um, bugs and, and malware, etc. Uh, instant problem detection, support and escalation, for example, escalation to third line technical support. So again, depending on your role, if you're finding problems, you need to be on top of those and keeping good logs. The clearer the information train or chain, the better it is and the easier it is to sort of find problems. If 
if your first line of support, then you make notes about stuff you try and fix. If you can't fix it, then you'll have to pass it on to the second line or third line of support. And if they don't have details, they're going to be wasting their time trying to find that information out. So good detection of problems and support and knowing when to escalate is always useful. And you'll learn that over time, I guess. Uh, working to relevant legislation, standards, industry best practices. Um, we learned last week that there's a new standard coming in for all these um, internet devices that talk in your home. Uh, so that's trying to make that standardised so that all those different devices use the same types of system. The law is trying to regulate these things to make sure that if you, know, you buy equipment to use on the internet, it's going to work to a certain standard efficiency. And we talked about during the legislation unit laws that protect you and say that if you don't get X amount of megabyte download, then you can go to the organisation, the ISP, and, and force them to change it. And legislation is quite important. And best practices we talked about in other organisational uh, or other units about things like the BCS and they make, make standards and try and work towards those and, and continue in professional development make sure you're up to the standards that you should be. And then finally system design and documentation to organisational standards. If you're working on software which isn't very well documented or, or you're using it very specifically in your organisation which isn't how it's usually used then it's best to keep documentation and design diagrams. So if you do leave the job or if you're ill somebody can pick it up and they're not going to have any problems and that's quite important as an employee for the organisation, particularly if you're on support, people depend on you and if you can't make it work then they've got a terrible job ahead of them. Next main bullet point is job roles, so these are sort of things you're going to be going for after this course. So service desk roles, for example technician or operative. Um, if you're on a service desk, tend to you know, be the first point of contact, people will phone up and say I've got this problem and you'll have a list of things to solve those problems or over time you will have sold them for somebody else and you've got notes and you can say yes have you tried this or can you download this patch or can you go to this website and get the answers. Uh, you've then got first line to fourth line um, support job roles. First line support is the, as it suggests I guess when people phone up that person is the person they talk to and they may be able to solve very basic problems. It's then escalated you've got second line support, third line support, fourth line and on and on. As you go through they get more and more experienced if you're organised, if you get to the fourth line of support, then you've got a really serious problem because that's the people that are real troubleshooters and very skilled in the field, engineers and analysts, etc. Other job roles: network engineer, people that are skilled in the Cisco type of things, how to fix routers, switches, cables, and all that stuff. Uh, next one: server engineer, somebody that can fix the software that actually controls all the network, the domain, and all the actual ad um, user adding and all that, and keeping people in the right task with the right responsibilities, etc. And then across both of these I suppose infrastructure technicians somebody that can actually is reasonably skilled in both networking and servers software so they can sort of act as a liaison between these and and pick up some of the actual physical problems in the infrastructure. Uh, next main bullet point is skills so in order to do these different jobs what kind of skills you need this could be a question on the exam something like you know what is the skill set required for your support or data role that you're going for. So the first sub one then analytical thinking and problem solving Software is always changing, hardware is always coming out, new stuff, so you've got to be on the ball. And what worked three months ago may not work now, so you've got to be problem solver and be able to uh, be analytical. Analytical means pluck, do this, do this to see if this happens, do this to see if this happens, and again, work through in a very logical way. That's sort of an analysing the problem and solving it that way. Uh, next one, using digital monitoring and diagnostic tools. We sort of talked about this in previous units, in unit 11 or 12, but you know use all the tools available to tell you what's going on in the system. If you're using a really good sophisticated logging system um, then it will tell you where the problems are lying and we've, we've looked at the server that we've got in-house and 
it keeps logs of email problems, networking problems, connectivity problems, authorization problems, all of those. And if you know how to read those logs, you can quickly look for problems and get online and find solutions. So managing those and making sure they're working is good. It's no good coming to logs and find out they were switched off six months ago because you don't know what's going on then. So you've got to keep checking all that stuff all the time, being proactive, which is one of the earlier things we mentioned. Uh, manage social media, for example, wikis and messages. Increasingly these days, there are loads of roles for people to do social media. I know uh, some people in the group that have got their work placements have been asked to manage social media. It's increasingly something which is, again, it's it's something for slightly younger people like yourselves. You're, you've grown up with social media. A lot of people that are slightly more old. They don't use it. They don't trust it. But And they're not involved in marketing. They don't see that as part of their job role. So increasingly jobs in technical support and that are part of... Um, social media management because it's becoming important for companies. Uh, next one then, communicating effectively with technical and non-technical staff. You sort of did that in your um, task that you did on your MySAP project. Some of the stuff you need to do need to be very technical because you're talking to people that understand that and other things you're talking to stakeholders that don't really care about the technical stuff but need to know what's going on. Maybe investors or something They say this is what's happening at the moment but you need to be able to communicate in language that makes most sense to them. So a question on exam might be along the line of what sort of language would you use? Give an example of what you'd use for a technical audience or a non-technical. So you'd give some examples of how to do that. Uh, project management and planning. Again, we looked at that in unit 12, I think, but in order to prioritise tasks and workloads, the key thing about project management is, as it suggests, managing the project effectively, making sure it's on time, right? you don't waste money, you don't waste resources, etc. And it's about prioritisation and using Gantt charts and other tools helps you do that sort of thing. Uh, collaboration, working as part of a team, unless you set up your own company, you're more than likely working as part of a team. And if it's a big, complex organisation, you might be part of a team that just specialises in one tiny little area, and that becomes your specialism. And you probably don't know anything outside of that. But again, you need to collaborate with other people in the team. If you're you're an infrastructure specialist, you're going to have to com communicate with people that are the um, networking specialists and explain, again, in technical or non-technical terms, what they need to do for you to move forward. Uh, continuous learning and improving and upskilling that we talked about that in a different unit as well that's CPD again if you don't know what's happening in the world of technology then you're not very good at your job uh, and it may be they replace you with someone else that is so you need to keep reading stuff magazines online materials watching programs going to conferences and just keeping your skill set really fresh uh, P1.2 the range of responsibilities job roles and skills required of professionals in network cabling so this is very specifically for the support group rather than the data group uh, responsibilities, installing, termination, testing and certification of copper, fibre network cables. So most of the cabling that to date, in, certainly internally, is copper cabling because that's reasonably efficient. But obviously most of the stuff in the backbone is fibre optic stuff. So you might be working in a job specifically in copper, you might be in, in fibre, you might be a mixture of both. Um, all networks need some sort of termination, otherwise the network will just keep sending out messages around and around and just clog things up. So termination older networks tend to have more terminations but if you're working with copper and fiber you'd have to work in how to make that how to close that network off and terminate it so that you don't send stuff out into the sort of um, unnecessary networking that makes sense you've got a closed network and obviously installing those copper cables and testing to make sure they work some of you've done that in your workshops in 208 uh, maintenance of copper and fiber optic cabling so again you know the stuff does become damaged particularly if it's moved around a lot um, fiber optic cable obviously is glass so that can crack and uh, can be broken if copper cable fractures it obviously means the signal won't carry quite so well so you need to check it and use the diagnostic equipment to send messages down 
down it and see if there's any bottlenecks or slow parts and, and replacing that section of cabling if need be. Uh, identify, locate and repair faults in copper and fibre optic cabling, so that's sort of related to that. If there is some copper, you can patch this stuff up or replace it however you need to do it. Uh, apply fiscal security measures to network cabling infrastructure. So again, if you've got some cabling uh, that can be, people can access physically, then that's no good because they can actually brace, uh, they can cut into it and put their own cabling in and install their own servers or other types, other types of equipment. So you've got to make sure physically to keep, keep it safe. Uh, carry out risk assessment, for example, health and safety risk assessment. So part of your job in most jobs is going to be risk assessment. Should people be working with that? If there's some type of high frequency cabling you're using, what are the implications with the sort of electricity with that and keeping yourself and your colleagues safe? Uh, working relevant le legislation standards, industry best practice, very similar to the one previously. If you're working with cabling, um, what kind of cabling do you use? How do you work with it? Um, what are the best ways of testing it and what is the law? So if you are working with dangerous stuff, how are you protected against that danger? And what can you do as a consequence? And again, working to standards. If the standard changes for network cabling, then you need to change all the network cabling to meet the new standards. Um, production of clear documentation showing cable route maps, testing and acceptance. So when you are working within the infrastructure team, you'll do a diagram uh, somewhere. If I can remember somewhere on our system, I've got the network diagram for Strode College. I can put that up on the site for you. Uh, remind me if I don't do it, if anyone listens to this. Um, updating asset registers when physical equipment is deployed. Again, um, some of the students in 208 are doing an asset register. There's loads of old computers in there. There's loads of things that appear now and again. Um, I've been putting some equipment in there, some old kit like phones and iPods and what have you. If you're working with an organisation, uh, if some of that stuff gets stolen, then it may come back to you that you are in charge of the asset register. The asset is obviously the equipment and you may be held responsible and you'd have to buy some new stuff so you know to keep that stuff up to date and now and again you're in terms of testing you do what's called pat testing which is making sure that any stuff that's plugged into the system that's using electricity is safe it's not going to cause a fire or any other damage um, so then updating asset registers when physical equipment is deployed so again if you buy some laptops for the company you need to update your database when the stuff was brought in what the label is on it what what requirements it had what the date what stuff was on it again people do steal this stuff they might open the, the uh, laptop up and steal some of the ram or whatever so you need to keep checking it that it's that it was as it was deployed uh, updating maintenance logs when equipment is repaired or updated so um, you'll have a database of equipment you'll say that equipment was bought three years ago it was tested this time it was pat tested this time it was updated patches that apply blah blah, blah. And you'll have like you'll have a history of everything about that piece of equipment very important for the, the physical equipment and servers and things you need to have a really clear log of what they were done in terms of work on them and, and who worked on them in terms of names and dates and all that stuff. Uh, use of service management tools and systems to maintain efficiency and effectiveness through good practice, process and procedures. So that's just common sense. You know, you, If you keep all these logs going and use best practice, hopefully the systems work. And if they don't, you can have a nice paper trail or digital trail to find out where it went wrong and who's responsible. Uh, next main bullet point then job roles. There's various job roles related to what you're looking at. And again, this is more for the technical side. Um, structured cabling, installer engineer, for example, telephony, fibre data. Increasingly these days, obviously, people use um, you know, the network for phone telephony. So it carries the same types of signals across the Ethernet, etc. Um, but in, in, in the college, we've got telephony, you know, the Internet phones, and increasingly that's what's happening. So it may be slightly different information uh, equipment for telephony or for fibre backbones or data, so each one of those will have its own skill set. 
uh, network surveyor, somebody that comes in and looks at the network and does a diagnostic, make sure it's working as it should, and maybe making recommendations about some problems. Network analyst, same sort of thing, making sure that everything's installed in the right type of place and um, it's working as effectively as it can. And network installation engineer, that's installing all the cabling and uh, physical hardware to make the network function properly. So on that last one, skills needed for all of those different jobs mentioned and, and um, areas of skill set. Manual handling, again, you will be lifting up fairly heavy piece of equipment, so you're going to have to be used to that. It's not, some of those servers are quite hefty, um, and you may have to lift them up into racks and stuff, so there is a certain amount of manual handling. Working at height, these 19-inch uh, racks are quite tall. You might have to get on step ladders to get stuff at the top of the rack or do cabling. So, again, you may be working at height, and some of the cabling might be going through ceilings, etc., so that may, is a skill you need. Ability to interpret and follow instructions and plans. Most of this equipment comes with user guides. Yeah, you, you, most of us think, oh, I know what I'm doing anyway, I'll just get, go ahead. But if it's a customer's thing and they paid a lot of money for it, you're probably best reading the manual just to make sure you're absolutely sure that you've installed it properly because you don't want any problems coming down the line later. Uh, an adaptable approach to work. Again, you may be skilled in one aspect of uh, networking, but some stage you'll be asked to do something else because nobody's around. So you're going to have to be adaptable and keep learning different things. You may not be a software specialist, but you may know just enough to get that happening. So again, you've got to be adaptable. Uh, project management and planning, we discussed that. You've got to be good at, at making these projects and time time and money and all those things and, and using the software tools like Gantt charts to use it, make it happen or, or MS Project. Uh, prioritization of tasks and workload. Again, don't overwork your staff if you can help it and make sure tasks are done in a regular order. And that's just common sense. Ability to work alone or as part of a team. Again, at some stage you're going to be stuck in, in a room by yourself, getting on with it. Other times you're going to be part of a team. Either way, you need to be good at those things, and that's sort of some of the stuff we're practicing. Customer service skills. It may be that you're on the front desk and you're dealing directly with customers. It is you that represents the whole company, so you've got to do that properly and not um, give a bad impression. And continuous learning, improving and upskilling, sort of related to what I said earlier on. You've, you've just got to keep your skill set up to date and fresh. So reading, looking at forums, going to conferences and meetings if you can help. Uh, P1.3, the range of responsibilities, job roles and skills required of professionals in digital support. I guess I'm going to have to do another one of these for data. Anyway, uh, responsibilities, providing digital support required by businesses of all sizes and all sectors. You may start out working in a very small company, in which case you're doing loads of things on your own. You might then later on in life go for a really big company where you're, you're only in a very very micro specialised area, so it will depend on where you are, what you're doing. Uh, identifying the difference between digital application requirements and digital service requirements of users. For example, digital application requirements are supply of software. You might be involved in updating a system and you might have to try and find out where the software comes from. There might be all sorts of contracts you need to understand. Uh, troubleshooting application issues, you might need to fix specific aspects. It may not be on your job uh, description, but you might have to fix things because it's part of a wider thing you're working on. And then aspects of um, storage quotas, some systems might have a limitation on that and you need to set uh, parameters to make sure that that isn't exceeded because there might be quite large money involved in it. Uh, digital service requirements, information and data access, who can get to the data and where, how long is it kept for, those types of things. Loaning of equipment, you might be involved in, in the sort of supply chain of things where you're doling stuff out, in which case you might have to have some database system check when that stuff went out, who had it, when are they bring it back? All those types of things. What kind of penalties if they don't bring it back? Um, help desk support. You might be front line or you might be second line on the help desk. So when stuff comes in, it might be like we've looked at online our help desk ticket system. You might be responsible for certain tickets and they may work on those. 
And then finally, multi-platform support. So you might be working on websites, you might be working on physical machines, Windows, Mac, all things in between. Um, then a list of bullet points here, supporting business needs with appropriate digital services. So again, you might be working in a company is responsible for hardware or software, so you need to be up to date on those. Providing digital service by supporting end users to access and operate systems. So you might be the person responsible for creating user accounts and making sure they work. Providing first line, desk side and remote technical support for computer hardware or software for internal and external customers. So first line support is they phone you or they send you an email and you're the one that deals with it in the first instance. If you can't, you, you escalate it. Communicating digital support updates and scheduled system changes to end users. So you're sending out the messages that people that updates come in. The system's going to be off for a couple of days. Very sorry, but we'll let you know when it's back on, etc. Training end users on new digital applications. You might be involved in making that training material and delivering the training either in-house or online or however on a customer site. Uh, maintaining an up-to-date asset register and, configura and configuration of management database. So again, if you're looking after the assets, the hardware and software equipment that you'll purchase for the company, you're going to have to make sure the database, the asset register is, is up-to-date, otherwise you get in trouble. Incident response, resolution, problem management. Again, on our help desk ticket system, you know that if you don't resolve things within a certain time, it turns to red and on your little dashboard, it'll tell you how quickly you resolved tickets, how many you did in a certain time frame, how effective you were, etc. And, and that may may relate to how much you get paid so it's worth doing that stuff uh, escalation of issues to technical ex and external support some stuff you can't deal with yourself you might have an agency doing it for you so you have to send them the details and they, they work on it you might have to for example open up your firewall to let somebody come in from external to fix stuff for you like if you're running an accounting system not in-house but somebody outside is is looking after it for you uh, working to relevant legislation standards industry best practice. We already sort of talked about that, making sure you're up to date and not breaking the law and the standards are maintained. Updating, maintaining a knowledge base with known fixes and procedures. So you might have your own internal database system where you add stuff. I fixed it this way, this problem. If it happens again, look at this ticket number five or whatever. And then use of service management tools and systems to maintain efficiency and effectiveness through good practice. So that's just using the tools available to make sure the system's always effective and working to the best uh, of your understanding of it and if you're not sure then get some external help uh, under this section then again job roles first line support analyst you're the one that people phone in and say um or you're, you're looking after how quickly you resolve things you're analyzing if the support desk is working fairly effectively um on the first line support obviously the person that's answering the phones help desk analyst you're looking at tickets how quickly they're resolved whether the people doing their job are doing it effectively or maybe in the wrong job Service desk analyst, that's fixing slightly more technical problems, um, physical hardware, those types of things. Support desk analyst, similar sort of things. So again, it's the nature of what you're looking at, whether it's the actual service that's supplied, if you're a service company or some sort of support contract you've got. And then IT support technician, so that's the sort of thing you'd see wandering around college. It's just fixing um, software issues, login issues, types of things, printers not working. Desktop support technician is showing people how to use application package like Office Suites, etc., and maybe training them how to do it. And then digital application support specialist, that's sort of helping people with their mobile phones if they've been supplied by the company or laptops or any other devices they're using. And the skills for those are analytical thinking and problem solving, very similar to what we've already mentioned. Again, you've got, you've got to be able to fix these things. They've, they've changed so quickly, you've got to keep on top of it. And just sometimes you've just got to do a bit of an, uh, analytical thinking. Normally it works like this, I'll try this, that didn't work, so what's the problem, I'll look in the logs, etc. Uh, using login systems, digital monitoring diagnostic tools, so using those things to give you a helping hand, what's wrong and how to fix it. Task prioritisation, we already talked about, and workload, not, not doing too much. Not 
taking on a really difficult job at five o'clock on a Friday afternoon because that's, that's a bit of a nightmare. Uh, communicating effectively with technical and non-technical. We talked about that already in another podcast. Active listening. Again, I think that came up in the exam, didn't it? Active listening or in project. So when you're listening to people, try to find out what their problem is. Look for clues about what technical talk terms they're talking about so you can actually resolve it very quickly. Um, collaboration and working as part of a team. We mentioned customer service skills. Again, being polite to people, listening to them carefully, making sure you solve their problem, take their details. Don't alienate them as much as you can. And continuous learning, improving and upskilling. Again, keep ahead of the game. Always learn on constantly. Uh, P1.4, integrated digital communications, responsibilities required in digital support services. So what sort of responsibilities are required? Uh, first one, installing, testing and maintaining integrated digital communication systems and networks, for example, telephony. So within that environment, you'll have to be skilled at in installing any of those systems. Uh, telephony is obviously digital phones video conferencing stuff, instant messaging, email, all of those are part of a business and you may be responsible for all of them or one of them, etc. Managing availability, integrated digital communications. So if you've got loads of stuff which is cloud-based, it's make t making sure that's up all the time. Or if people are using your system from the outside, making sure the firewall lets them in when they need to or keeps people out who don't need to be there. Network configuration, monitoring and optimization network performance. So again, using diagnostics, make sure it's as fast as it possibly could be. Applying security measures to integrate digital communications, making sure that they're not hackable and, and blocked from people doing dangerous things on them and all people making mistakes on too. System design documentation, so keeping up to date. If there's a change in the system, then you need to update the documentation that's there. Again, you may not be at that company forever or if you put it on the other boot, if you come to a new company and there's no documentation, it's a nightmare trying to do it. So you don't want to do that for somebody else because they're going to be presumably in the same position as you. P1.5, the types of organisation where this is all used, digital support. So you've got public, private and voluntary. In the public, you've got education like schools and colleges. You've got government, so local authority and, and things like embassies. Uh, healthcare, the NHS, hospitals and surgeries. And then emergency services like fire and all that. They all use a lot of digital support services. And you get jobs in any of those organisations with any of those job titles we mentioned earlier on. In the private sector, you've got telecommunication companies, BT Openreach, Sky, Virgin, etc. All of those need those skills and are often looking for people with those skills. IT network installers like BT Openreach again or um, Siemens, some of those types of companies. And then IT technical specific, Microsoft, IBM, etc. And then voluntary sector, sector, you've got charities, British Heart Foundation, Cancer Research, RSPCA, etc. Um, trusts like the National Trust or Wooden Trust and then foundations like um, Children in Need. So any of those jobs, all sorts of those, they, they're all based on the internet. They all use loads of communication and digital technology, so there's lots of different jobs there. And finally, in this one, P1.6, the routes into digital. So how do you get those jobs? Um, first, further education, um, doing something like um, a degree um, in digital support or vocational specific things, lots of those um, uh, university places available a lot of companies only recruit from universities so probably useful doing that you've then got apprenticeships and work-based learning you could get an apprenticeship at, at level three or four and, and progress through a lot of organizations might take you on and then they'd give you a degree as a part-time basis so you'd, you'd get your, you end up getting your level six degree but you'd still be paid at the same time um, professional vendor qualifications employment industry a lot of you are doing the cisco material uh, we're doing the oracle stuff as well maybe red hat and seuss all those different organizations cisco bcs comptia uh, all of those are useful qualifications you can put them on your linkedin profile and, and people look for those and employ you based on your skill set and then finally professional recognition 
an organization might uh, give you some title that you're an expert in your field and they'll send you away on conferences and talks and then people will, you might write a book or whatever and then people would say that you're the person to go to if you're stuck in that particular era because uh, you'd be an expert in that field and that's uh, core one